Well, hello, Hope City Church. How are we doing? Good? Excited to be together. My name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at the church and uh, wherever you are, uh, in the room at Shepherdsville, watching online, listening, um, just excited that you're a part of the start of a brand new series uh, that, that we're starting called Testify. Everybody say Testify. Starting a series called Testify, and what we're going to do is take the next three weeks to figure out how we can talk about Jesus to other people without sounding crazy. Has anybody ever met a crazy Christian before? Let me see your hand. Anybody sitting beside a crazy Christian? Anybody? All right. Whether it's our neighbors or our coworkers or our friends, sometimes our family, when God begins to change our lives and saves us and, and starts doing these incredible things. We want to talk about it. We want to talk about it. But we're not sure how to do it. And we're afraid that we're going to sound like a crazy person who drank the Kool-Aid, right? We're, we're just, we're kind of terrified of that. And, um, you know, the word testify or testimony, it just means that you have firsthand knowledge of an event. And so as we're talking about testimony and testify, really what we're saying is we're trying to figure out how to share what we know to be true, what we have experienced, what we have seen. We have knowledge of an event. For those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, we have a testimony. You have a testimony. You have firsthand knowledge and experience of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, and, and so testifying is, is simply talking about it, and uh, we're going to try to figure that out. Now, I want to show you what the Bible says, just right, right up front, I want to show you what the Bible says about this, just kind of explaining to us uh, what it means to testify, and it's in 1 John, uh, which is towards the very end of the New Testament. If you just kind of flip through real fast, you'll probably skip it, uh, but it was written by John the disciple. We're going to read several of, of the things that he wrote. Uh, but it's in 1 John, right at the beginning of the book, 1 John chapter 1, first four verses. Here's what he said. He said, we, talking about the disciples, the apostles, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, talking about Jesus, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. That's pretty crazy to be able to say. He's the word of life, the one who is life itself was revealed to us. And we have seen him. And now we, here it is, testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us just a little, little bit more. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. This is a testimony. This is what testifying is, that we're proclaiming to you. We're telling you what we have actually seen and heard ourselves so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And the last part says, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. To testify just means to talk about what you have experienced. And for the disciples, their testimony was, was literally that they walked with Jesus they talked with him, like they touched him. They, 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 were, they were there after he was raised from the dead. And, the, and, and something interesting that he said was not only did we uh, touch him and, and hear him, 
but he was revealed to us. Like we saw him, but we also understood who he was and what he was doing. Now, that's not our testimony exactly. We can't say that we've literally touched him or we've literally walked with, with Jesus, but we have experienced him. And we do believe that he is the way to, to eternal life. And so I'm really excited. I really am. I know I say it all the time, but it's true. I'm really excited about this series because we're going to take three weeks to figure out what our testimony is. This has really been on my heart for, for a really long time. Is Could it be possible and can we figure out a way at the end of this series that you would have confidence to be able to share your testimony with people who, who need to hear it. We're going to put words to our experiences and figure out how to explain what Jesus has done for us. And here's how we're going to do it, all right? It's a three-parter, so, so I'm, I hope you can be here for all of this series. But here's how we're going to do it. First, we're going to talk about what happened to me, past tense. The part of our testimony that is what happened to us when we put our faith in Jesus. A moment, a conversion, uh, a, a, a salvation experience. We're going to talk about what happened to me. And then part two, we're going to talk about what's happening to me. Because our testimony is not just about a moment. It's also about what God is doing in, in our lives and how he is moving in our lives and using our lives. And then the last part, we're going to talk about what will happen to me. Because that's also part of our testimony. That our hope and our faith is not just in the years of our life that we're here on this earth, but part of our testimony is also about our eternal hope. And so what happened to me, what's happening to me, and what will happen to me, this is how we're going to, this is how we're going to, to break this down, and it should be good. Are you ready? You ready? Um, I, I, I'm excited. It's going to be good, all right? So let's start with a question. Let's start with a question. I want you to imagine that someone came up to you in your front yard or break room at your job, or maybe they texted your phone, and this is the question that you are asked. Here's the question. Why do you get to go to heaven? Why do you get to go to heaven? Last night I was explaining this, this part of the message to my wife Andrea and my son Solomon, our five-year-old. Uh, he overheard this question. And he said, Daddy, I know. I know why I get to go to heaven. I said, you do? He said, yes, and I know what bears do in the winter. <laughs> Jesus died on the cross and hibernation. That's what he said. So Solomon knows. But how would, you answer, how would you answer this question? Why do you get to go to heaven? What do you say? I don't want you to rush past this. What would you say? How would you answer that question? Maybe you would say, um, I would go to heaven. I get to go to heaven because um, I've just always been part of the church. Or maybe you would say, I get to go to heaven because, relatively speaking, I'm a pretty good person. Or maybe you would say, um, well, I go to heaven because I think everybody kind of eventually gets to heaven, you know. Only really evil people go to hell. Maybe you would say, uh, because I was baptized as a child, as a baby, I was baptized, and so I, I get to go to heaven. Maybe you would say, because I repeated a, a sinner's prayer, you know, at this event one time, church service camp, I said, I said this prayer. Maybe those would be your answers, or, 
or some, you know, some form of those answers is how you would answer the question. And I don't mean to scare anybody, but I think it is worth asking, are you sure that you would go to heaven if you died today? I grew up in churches where the pastor would ask this question all the time. We don't ask it as much anymore. Maybe we should. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But maybe you have trouble answering this question because you're not sure that you would go to heaven if, if your life was somehow, somehow, you know, ended. Now, if you would say, no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Jason. I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Then just hang tight because I'm going to tell you how you can. And that's going to be good. But if you would answer yes, yes, I would go to heaven. I can confidently say I would go to heaven. Why? Why would you go to heaven? Why would you go? It reminds me of a, a, a joke I heard the other day about this Sunday school teacher. She was, um, you know, if you've ever taught kids, you're always thinking that they're not listening to a word you're saying. And you're not making any difference. And so she decided she wanted to kind of uh, check and see if, if they understood the concept of what she had been teaching. And so she asked them, she said, if I sold my car and had a big garage sale and I gave all the money to the church, would that get me into heaven? And all the kids, you know, together were like, no. And, and so she was, you know, smiling like, hey, they're listening. And she said, what if I cleaned the church every day and mowed the yard and kept everything neat and tidy? Would that get me into heaven? All the kids were like, no. And so now she's feeling, you know, pride because they're listening and they're learning and maybe she is a good teacher and and she, she said, well, what if I was kind to animals and gave, you know, candy to all the kids, loved my husband? Would that get me into heaven? And all the kids are like, no. And so now she's just like bursting with pride and, and just feeling like she's really made a difference in these kids' lives. And she says, okay, great, that's right. How do I get to heaven? And, and one kid in the back just screamed out, you got to be dead. <laughs> you got to be dead. So I don't, know, I don't know how you would answer it, but maybe you would answer, I go to heaven, or I could go to heaven, or I get to go to heaven because I'm a Christian, because I'm a Christian, which is a great answer. Uh, it's a great answer, but I would follow up, if that is your answer, I get to go to heaven because I'm a Christian, I would follow up with this question then, how did you become a Christian? I agree with you that if you're a Christian, you're going to go to heaven. But how did you become a Christian? I want you to think about this. I want you to have an answer for this in your mind. And in case you have to leave early, let me go ahead and just give you the answer. Because I don't want you, you know, leaving with half the information. The reason that someone gets to go to heaven and the reason that someone is a Christian is because of faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. Now, you probably knew that. Whether you would say it that way or not, whether you could explain it that way or not, it's, it's faith or believing in Jesus that makes you a Christian and that gets you into heaven. But what does that really mean exactly? What does it mean that my faith is in Jesus Christ and, and my, my hope is in, in Jesus Christ? Well, that's what we're going to figure out today. And if you're not sure what that means, don't feel bad. Because even... 15, 20, 30 years after Jesus lived here on the earth, people still didn't know. And the disciples and the apostles were traveling around and starting churches and writing letters. 
And, and there was still lots of confusion about how, you know, you became a Christian and, and what made somebody belong to the Christians. And there were all these different theories floating around. And the most popular theory at the time that, that was in order to have a relationship with God, you had to be Jewish. You had to be Jewish. Or you at least had to do things that Jewish people did if you wanted to have a relationship with, with God. And that was, that was kind of the popular theory, but it really involved two things. One incredibly painful and one incredibly impossible. One was circumcision and the other one was obeying 613 laws in the Old Testament. And so these were the requirements. If you had to do it the Jewish way for thousands of years, this is what you had to do if you wanted to claim to have a relationship with God. But once Jesus came, then everything, everything changed. Now Jesus gave you a way to have a relationship with God. It's called the gospel message. And the word gospel just means good news. The word gospel literally means good news. And so this good news gospel message is that you don't have to do it the Jewish way anymore. You can do it the Jesus way. It's good news. Now, if you've grown up your whole life hearing that Jesus died on the cross, maybe it just sounds like news, but not necessarily good news. But if, if, if you wanted to have a relationship with God and some preacher showed up 2,000 years ago and said, you don't have to be circumcised anymore, and you don't have to be perfect in trying to obey the 613 laws in the Old Testament anymore, how many people know that would be good news, especially for all the young men in the room? It's good news. You don't have to do it that way anymore. Now you have Jesus. So that's what they did. The disciples who were with Jesus, we read some of those words, that while he was alive and other apostles who were converted after Jesus left, they traveled around and they preached the gospel. They preached the good news message to all these people who wanted to know, how can I have a relationship with God? And so I want to show you uh, how they did it and what I mean. And we're going to read a few Bible verses together from the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. There's a Bible around you somewhere. You can grab that. It'll also be up on the screen. But, but the words that we're going to read were written by a guy named Paul, but that was not his birth name. His mother named him Saul. And Saul was over-the-top passionate about the Jewish way to have a relationship with God. It's what he had learned his whole life. And so, like, he was good at it, and he was passionate about making sure that everybody else believed that that was the way. And if you disagree with him, he'd kill you. And one day, he had an experience with Jesus that changed everything. And so, he changed his name. Actually, God changed his name from, from, from Saul to Paul. And then he spent the rest of his life preaching the gospel message, and eventually, it was that gospel message that got him killed. And so this is what he wrote after his experience with Jesus. And after trying to help people figure out how they can have a relationship with God, this is what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. He says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news, the gospel 
that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news, this gospel message that saves you if you continue to believe the message that I told you, unless, of course, you believed something different in in the first place that, that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important. And I'm about to remind you what was most important, he's saying, and what had also been passed on to me, testimony passed on to me, message passed on to me, and here's what's most important, that Christ, Jesus Christ, died for our sins just as the Scriptures said. But he's not done because the good news message gets better. And he was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the Scriptures said. So Paul is saying in these verses, let me remind you what you say you believe. Because when I was there and I was preaching to you, you said you believed it. I'm not with you right now, but I want to remind you what you said that that you believed. And here's what you said you believed, he's saying to the Corinthians. That a man named Jesus came from God and he died so that we could know God. And then he rose from the dead and he went back to God. That's what you said You believed. And maybe you're thinking like, yeah, I already knew that. I I, I already knew that. I knew that, that Jesus, yeah, I've I've heard this my whole life. Jesus, uh, you know, came and he died on the cross and he he rose from the dead. And I mean, that's, I mean, I think everybody kind of knows that, right? I mean, that's, yeah, we got it. And I guess if you've heard that Jesus died on the cross your whole life, maybe that doesn't sound that insane. But for the people who were reading these words that we just read, all they had to go on was the testimony of the people who claimed to know Jesus while he was alive. There was no, there was no New Testament. There were some letters that the apostles had written that were reading, but there was no New Testament. Your grandmother didn't tuck you into bed at night and tell you the stories of Jesus. You didn't go to summer camp and color in pictures of Jesus. That all you had to go on was the testimony of a handful of people who said, I knew him. I hung out with him. I saw him when he did some of that stuff. I saw him when he died on the cross. I went to the tomb where he was supposed to be, but he wasn't there anymore. I know what happened. And you had to believe it. You had to to go with that information. You were just taking the word of someone who was willing to testify that they knew Jesus and that he was from God and he died so you could know God, but he rose from the dead and went back to God. And do you know what it would take to believe something as crazy as that story? It would take faith. It would take faith. You couldn't connect the dots. You couldn't go to school and logic your way to it. You would have to have faith that something that sounded so unbelievable was true. And that the person who was telling you is also telling you that it's the way to eternal life. Believing it is the way to eternal life. If we were to modernize it a little bit, imagine that you were having dinner at my house and I told you like, yeah, man, I knew this guy like 20 years ago. He's the greatest guy I ever met. I mean, this is just the real deal, and 
he ended up being killed, but then three days later, he got up at the graveyard, and he came by my house, and we hung out for like the next 40 days. And he was just kind of like walking through walls and stuff, like he was alive, but he, I don't even know how it worked. But yeah, we hung out for like 40 days. Then we were out, you know, by the garage, and then dude just went up in the sky. You would say, I've lost my mind. You would think that I had lost my mind. Nobody in their right mind would believe that. It would be illogical and incomprehensible. It would require faith. And I don't know if you know this or not, but if you claim to be a Christian, that is what you claim to believe. Did you know that? That if you say, I'm a Christian, you believe that. Not, not my story, because my story is not true. But the story and the testimony of the disciples and the apostles, that a man who claimed to be from God, who just happened to be born to a woman who had never had sex, lived for 33 years and never committed a sin, and then he was murdered, but then he rose from the dead three, years, three days later, and then he went back to God. And he did all of it because God loved us so much that if he didn't, we could not have a relationship with him, no matter how good we are, nice we are, how circumcised we are, how many laws in the Old Testament that we had kept, it didn't matter. We would never be able to know God and live forever with God if this man named God had not come and done what they said he did. That's what you believe. Did you know that? Did you know that you have faith in a unbelievably ridiculous, hard-to-believe story? If you're a Christian, it's exactly what you believe. Not a Christian because you go to church or because you were baptized as a child or because you repeated a prayer. You're a Christian and you get to go to heaven because when you heard the good news gospel message that God became a man named Jesus and he died to pay the penalty for your sins and he rose from the dead and he's alive so you can be alive, you heard that in some form or fashion at a summer camp, at a Sunday service, at a Christmas play, at an Easter play, from a sidewalk preacher, from a radio sermon, from a podcast, from a book, from a friend, at a hospital. You heard it somewhere. And you believed it. Something in your heart supernaturally said, I believe that's true. I believe and have faith that that's true. And when you believed it, not just intellectually, but supernaturally, like the Holy Spirit put faith in your heart to say, I believe that something happened to you. Something changed in you. It was not just a head knowledge thing. It was a faith that changed your heart. It, it, it changed you. What happened? What was that experience? The Bible would call it that you were born again. You're born again. Your life felt different. Your life felt brand new in some kind of way. And, and a lot of different people have described it in a lot of different ways. I just picked three of the most historically famous ways that people described what happened to them after they heard the gospel message and had the faith to believe. One person said, I was blind. I was blind. I didn't know I was blind because I'd never seen. I thought I could see, but I was blind. And after the moment that I believed in my
my Savior Jesus, it was like I could see. I thought I had been seeing, but after my faith was in Jesus, I realized that I had been blind, but now I can see. Another guy said it this way, I was lost. I didn't know I was lost, but I was lost. But after I believed and I put my faith in my Savior Jesus Christ, it was like I was found. Now, I thought I had been found. But once my faith was in Jesus, I realized I had never been found. I was always lost. But now, I'm found. Somebody else said it like this. They said, it was like I was dead. I didn't know I was dead. But I was dead. But after I believed and put my faith in my Savior, Jesus, it was like I became alive. I thought I had been alive. But I realized I had never been alive. But something was different now. And John, the disciple that we read at the very beginning... In his first book, the Gospel of John, he described that moment when you were sitting across the table or listening to the podcast or sitting in the driveway or at the summer camp or at the school or at the service. And you heard that good news gospel message. He described it, and this is how he said it. He said, but to all who believed, like, I, I believe it. I believe it. I, I believed that I was separated from God because of my sin and that God came as a man named Jesus and died on the cross so I could know God. But then he got up and he lived so I can live and he went back to God. I believe it. And John says, yeah, all those people who believe him and accept him, he gave the right, the privilege, the opportunity to become children of God. And they are rehabilitated. No, that's not what he says. He says they are reborn. Not with a physical birth that, that comes from passion and planning, but a birth that comes from God. You believed, and you were reborn as a child of God. And so that's it. I think we've covered it. Just explain all of that to your friends, and I think they'll understand perfectly what you're saying. Let's pray. I'm just kidding. That's not the end. That's the gospel message. And the whole point was to try to figure out how to talk about it without sounding crazy. I would not recommend you leading with, you don't have to do it the Jewish way anymore. Uh, I would leave that one in the bag. How do we talk about that? without sounding ridiculous, without sounding crazy. Well, good news and bad news. The, the, the bad news is we are a little bit crazy. That we do have a faith that makes us different from everyone else in the life who is perishing because they do not have faith in Jesus Christ. So it is a little bit crazy. But it's not so crazy that God could not use your story 
the same way that somebody else's story has helped you, and they could believe. So what do we say? How, how, do, we, how do we talk about it? Well, we said at the beginning that your testimony is just your firsthand account of an experience. That's what your testimony is. If you want to share your testimony, you've got to share your experience when you put your faith in your Savior, Jesus Christ. And so let's ask this question. This is a great starting point for our experience. Have you experienced what I just took 20 minutes to describe to you? Probably be the best starting point for us. If a testimony is sharing your experience when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, have you experienced that? Did you ever feel lost? Did you ever feel blind? Did you ever feel dead? I'm not saying you got to be a drug addict or in a gang or in a jail or you had to wake up in a ditch, okay? Your, your life before Jesus may have been not that morally bad, but when did you realize you needed a Savior? What was the moment when it dawned on you that even though in your eyes you're not that bad a person, you're still not a good enough person to not need a Savior? When did you realize that you could never be good enough to have a relationship with God? When did you realize that Jesus is your only hope? Have you had that experience? Not a church experience. We love church. It's kind of what we do. Not a religious experience or a family affiliation or a summer camp experience or a Catholic school experience. But an experience of being reborn as a child of God. I think you could answer those questions, like the moment when I realized and, and what happened to me. I think you could answer those questions in a lot of different ways, but your answer to those questions is your testimony. That's your testimony. And so what I want to do for the, for the few moments that we have left is I want to try to help you put words to those experiences. And we're going to do it in kind of a maybe overly simplistic way. That's my style. I like it. I'm going to give you a template. It's actually on your sermon guide. And uh, if you're in a growth group, you're actually going to have a chance to work with your growth group leader, maybe some people in your group over the next week or two to help kind of craft this message. But here, here's, here's the template that I, I would love for you to use to figure out how to explain your experience putting your faith in Jesus Christ, all right? Before Jesus, I blank. Now, that's a really short blank because we ain't got enough space on the TV, but that could be as long a blank as you really want to have. Before Jesus, I blank. But then someone explained what Jesus did for me, and I believed it. And everything changed. I felt like a brand new person before I blank, long as you need it to be. But now, blank. Jesus changed everything. If I was telling my story, if I was using this template to tell my story, it would sound something like this. Before Jesus, I was a religious church kid. I had heard the message of the gospel a thousand times, but didn't care, 
But then somehow, some way, in some different something or another, someone explained what Jesus did for me. And I believed it. And everything changed. And I felt like a brand new person. Before, I, I was only as confident as my behavior. I was, I was trying to be a good person. I was hoping that God approved of me. And I was terrified that I would do something so bad that I would be out. But now, but now, I'm a person who knows that God loves me because he sent Jesus to die for me. Jesus changed everything. That would be, that would be my testimony of what happened to me. Maybe yours would sound like this. Before Jesus, I was obsessed with success. But then someone explained what Jesus did for me, and I believed it, and it changed everything. I felt like a brand new, a brand new person. Before, all I could think about was, was, was working hard to prove myself, to impress other people, make a lot of money. But now, now my confidence is not in my accomplishments. It's in what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus changed everything. Maybe your story would sound something like this. Before Jesus, I was addicted to drugs. But then someone explained what Jesus did for me, and I believed it. Everything changed. Felt like a brand new person. Before, I believed that the next hit or the next high would truly make me happy, but I always needed more, and things kept getting worse. But now, now I know that Jesus is the only thing that will truly satisfy me. Jesus changed everything. Maybe your story would say, before Jesus, I was depressed and cynical and angry. But then someone explained what Jesus did for me, and I believed it. And everything changed. I felt like a brand new person. Before, all I could think about was what might go wrong or who did me wrong or why everyone else was wrong. But now... Now I feel joy and hope like I've never felt before. Jesus changed everything. It's your testimony. It's what happened to you. It's what you know to be true. But what if as I was sharing those examples of testimonies, you were thinking to yourself, I can't answer those questions. I can't fill in those blanks. I mean, I, 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 I have been doing this thing for a while, but I, I didn't have a moment. I, I, don't, I can't fill in those, those blanks. I know that if that's kind of what's happening to you at this moment, it can be scary or frustrating. Someone used the phrase today, testimony envy. They have testimony envy. They don't know what to say, and everybody sounds better. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel that way. Like, wow, that was like, I loved your examples, Jason, but I can't fill in those blanks. I never had like a drastic change in my life. If that's what you would say, I, I want to I just close this out by asking you two questions. And the first question is this. When did you realize you needed a Savior? 
When, when is the moment? What happened? Where were you when you realized you needed a Savior? When was the moment when you, you realized you're not just a Christian because you've always been a Christian? Or because you've never been, you know, that bad? When was the moment when your heart sank in your chest or emotion overwhelmed your soul because you realized you can't behave your way to God? When did you believe that? And admit to yourself and accept that you need a Savior. That's the first question. Let me ask you the second question. Are you sure that your faith is in Jesus? Are you sure? Now, I'm not suggesting that you're not saved. That's not my job, and I'm, I don't want to get in that business. But I think it is worth suggesting that the hardest people to preach the gospel to are not atheists or tribal village people who have never heard it. It's the people who have heard it a thousand times. 10,000 times. And have been around it so long that they never realized that they needed a savior. Or maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you are as you look at this testimony and you say, I can't fill in those blanks because I... I don't have a before. What do you mean before? Please hear me. God's not teasing you. God's not tricking people into thinking they're saved and then they're going to pull the rug out from under you, you know, at the end. Don't get nervous. But, but if, you, if you can't think of a single way that your life is drastically different after you placed all of your hope and your faith in the cross of Jesus Christ, it is worth considering that, that your faith is in your association with religion, but not in Jesus. And please hear me, that is not the same thing. Faith in Jesus says, I have to have a Savior. And God sent Jesus to be that for me. And I believe that. And that is what my faith is in. And that's what my hope is in. And that's what my confidence is in. It's not myself. It's not my job. It's not my bank account. It's not my marriage. It's not in my kids. It's not in anything else but in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so whether you, you don't know how to answer it because this is your first time you've ever come to church and it's the first time you've ever heard the gospel message or whether you have heard this message a thousand times before but maybe for the first time you realize that there's never been a moment where you've actually put your confidence and faith in Jesus. I have the most unbelievable news. I can change right now. Right now. You can put your faith and hope in Jesus, and your testimony can start today. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that when I did not have a way to have a relationship with you, you sent Jesus to make a way. And so, God, I pray that in this holy moment that we are in right now, that the Holy Spirit 
would not let us get away from the good news that you sent a Savior to pay the penalty for the sin that separated us from you. And all we have to do is believe it's true. And we'll become new. So God, will you help us to have confidence that we have experienced your salvation. And then God, will you help give us some confidence to be able to talk about it with people who need to know what happened to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.